0: Welcome to another episode of the Vestibule Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Vest, founder and publisher of the Substack newsletter, The Vestibule. This episode is titled Time Outs and bears the subtitle, Once Upon Time Wobbles, but Keeps Doctor Who Flux Rolling. This review was first published on January 7th, 2022 and was written by myself, Jason P. Vest. The episode's pedigree is as follows. Once Upon Time Chapter 3 of Series Thirteen, season-long, six-episode, serialized story subtitled Flux was written by Chris Chibnall and directed by Azur Saleem. It stars Jodie Whittaker as the Thirteenth Doctor, Mandip Gill as Yasmin Yaz Khan, and John Bishop as Dan Lewis. Once Upon Time guest stars Nadia Albina as Diane Curtis, Jacob Anderson as Instant V. Vinder, Craig Ells as Carvanista, Thaddea Graham as Belle, Joe Martin as the Fugitive Doctor, Craig Parkinson as the Grand Serpent, Bhavnisha Parmar as Sonia Khan, Roshenda Sandal as Azure, and Sam Sproul as Swarm. The episode is 50 minutes long and was first broadcast on both BBC One and BBC America on November 14th, 2021. And now, on with the show.
1: What I learned in the immediate aftermath of the flux seems obvious now, but it's only obvious once you've lived it. The biggest changes to our lives start small. Catastrophes creep in quietly. And by the time you realize the life you once had is already behind you. sector is growing. I thought I'd made it out, but they just keep spreading. Because since what some people keep calling the beginning of the end, who is there left to stop them? Of course, I call it the Dalek sector. I don't know for certain. But it helps me understand. Because the maps definitely don't make any sense anymore. With the days. Everything is disrupted. This isn't about Daleks. For once, they're not what worries me. At least we understand them. You and me, my love, we fought them. It's the other things. Whatever they are.
0: Section 1. Time to go. Doctor Who Flux arrives at its midpoint, the third of six chapters, brimming with vim and vigor. In once upon time, showrunner Chris Chibnall's talent for titles does him credit in an episode that takes the baton from its excellent predecessor, War of the Santarans, and runs its leg of the race nearly as nimbly as I hoped it would. Whereas Chapter Two concentrated on characterization, Chapter Three delves pell mell into the timey-wimey shenanigans that the Flux event has promised from its first appearance in Chapter One, the Halloween Apocalypse once upon time however doesn't abandon its characters to the arid plot mechanics that the halloween apocalypse foregrounded perhaps inevitably given its burden of setting up the premises themes and players that chibnall weaves into flux instead this third entry remains unafraid of splintering the thirteenth doctor's past present and future into a complicated story that loops around itself moving backward and forward in time to reveal hidden secrets that make the Doctor's mission to save longtime companion Yasmin Yaz Khan, played by Mandip Gill, Newfound companion Dan Lewis, played by John Bishop, and observation outpost Rose officer Instant V. Vinder, played by Jacob Anderson, from the depredations of a time storm unleashed by villainous siblings Azure, played by Roshenda Sandal, and Swarm, played by Sam Spruill, almost too much to handle. Almost, but not quite that both the doctor and once upon time perform as well as they do is unsurprising given that Flux has three installments to go. But Chibnall takes the opportunity to show, finally, one of the missions that the fugitive doctor, played by Joe Martin, the 13th doctor's predecessor, successor, alternate self, undertook while a member of division. The temporal black ops agency so secret that most Gallifreyans had no knowledge of its existence, and so powerful that it erased the doctor's memory of being the timeless child yet chibnall doesn't begin here he instead introduces a brand new character belle played by thadia graham who narrates a letter to the father of her unborn child while dodging a dalek patrol on an unnamed planet disrupted by the flux event the daleks are conquering whatever they can in the flux's destructive wake as the Santarans tried in chapter two prompting belle to escape in an abandoned lupari vessel and head toward her lover's location She tells him that the Lupari have disappeared from their home galaxy, and then wonders if they've been annihilated from time in a grace note that makes Flux's ongoing narrative seem vital and alive. For Belle has no idea that the Lupari journeyed to Earth to save humanity in the Halloween Apocalypse. And why would she? Her concerns are personal despite the Flux's cosmic implications, making Bell's survival tale not merely a framing device, but one that Chimnel intersperses throughout Once Upon Time's packed narrative to anchor viewers in the Flux's consequences for everyday people. This move not only threatens to overcomplicate an already complex storyline, but also risks diverting attention from our principal cast, especially Dan, introduced only two episodes ago, and Yaz, who found herself at the center of these events as War of the Sontarans concluded. Chibnall, during series 11 and 12, was criticized for shunting Yaz to the side, instead relying upon Mandip Gill's brilliance at spinning gold out of the meager straw she sometimes received as a weak substitute for the attention Chibnall paid to the doctor's male companions, Ryan Sinclair, played by Tosin Cole, and Graham O'Brien, played by Bradley Walsh, who were, by comparison, richer personalities. And if Once Upon Time has a flaw, Yaz's role is it. The minutes spent telling Bell's story, no matter how attractive they may be, could and should have been devoted to Yaz. Chimnel’s choice is even more unfortunate considering that Once Upon Time reveals, to no one's surprise, that Bell writes her letter to Vendor, who finds himself inside the Temple of Atropos alongside Yaz during War of the Sontarans, where they're both captured by Azure and Swarm, then forced to take the place of two murdered Mori. Yaz, as such, becomes second fiddle to a guest character played so nicely by Jacob Anderson that, like Sarah Powell's Mary Seacole in War of the Santarans, he feels like an old friend only three installments into Flux's six-segment run. Chibnall's good taste in casting these roles, however, shouldn't rely upon the performer's talent and commitment to the part to overcome thin character writing. Crowding the field with Bell and Vendor's backstories while welcome from the perspective of narrative complexity, once again diminishes Yaz's contributions to what's almost certainly her final season as a New Who companion.
1: We have done as you asked, Doctor. We have returned for Umori to your time. Now you must return. You must not linger in your own time stream.
0: Not yet. Not just yet.
1: The force of time will break you. But this is my only chance to find out more. More? Who I was, who I am. It's all in here if I can just find it. Your body is breaking, Doctor. We can sense it. You must leave. One more memory. One more piece of my past. Let me have something. Some explanation. You will die in here. Just give me something. Give me the end. Give me the end of what I was in. No. You can't force me out!
0: Section 2. Time to Show Once Upon Time is, therefore, not as well-oiled a storytelling machine as War of the Santarans, but still better balanced than the Halloween Apocalypse. I underscored these flaws at the beginning because, for most of its 50 minutes, Once Upon Time is a gripping and fascinating race through the temporal mazes that typify the best time-travel stories. Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat excelled at such episodes. Moffat, indeed, preferred intricate, season-long story arcs that some fans, to this day, cannot parse. So Chibnall, as he approaches the climax of the timeless child mythology that will forever define both the 13th Doctor's character and Chibnall's era of the franchise, demonstrates that he remains capable of constructing long-term mysteries that, one hopes, he can convincingly fulfill. Chibnall's work on Dick Wolf's Law & Order UK, and his own crime thriller sensation Broadchurch, along with its American adaptation, Grace Point, proves that he can write Byzantine plots, but maintaining this high-wire narrative act over three seasons of Doctor Who puts even greater demands on him to deliver a tight and satisfying conclusion. That some fans dislike Chibnall's choice to rewrite the Doctor's personal history is no surprise, but Once Upon Time reveals how the stakes for Flux's entire storyline were laid in the distant past. When the Fugitive Doctor, played once again by the fabulous Joe Martin, who blazes back onto the screen in Flux's most welcome return yet, led a team of three commandos, represented in flashback by Yaz, Dan, and Vender, dressed in combat attire, to break a siege at the Temple of Atropos and rescue the Mori, who were held captive, then as now, by Azure and Swarm. Stopping the siblings in the present will, according to the 13th Doctor,
1: Reset time so the universe can function again.
0: just as the Fugitive Doctor did when she conducted, all those years ago, a full military assault on the Temple, complete with aerial bombardment, that saved the Mori these scenes alternate with doctor thirteen floating inside the time storm while speaking with three giant Mori about how she wishes to save yaz dan and Vender from certain death at the hands of azure and swarm even as flashes and snatches of the fugitive doctor's mission bleed through and sometimes overlay these events the storm, indeed, results from the 13th Doctor intervening at the last possible second, before Swarm snaps his fingers and unleashes time, or, more properly, time with a capital T, which becomes an almost living character in this episode, upon Yaz, Dan, and Vendor, thereby ferrying them among past, present, and future memories of their own lives, with little control or hope of escape. The Mori are physiologically capable of withstanding and regulating time's enormous force, but Yaz, Dan, and Vinder aren't, making Azure's and Swarm's plan a replay of the hostage drama that the fugitive doctor, at Division's behest, ended way back when, during the first siege of Atropos. Her intervention led to the siblings' millennia long imprisonment, making Flux the greatest grudge match in New Who history. This synopsis shows how Tangle Once Upon Time's plot is. Yet, attentive viewers have no problem tracking its many subplots, flashbacks, and flash-forwards, including one in which we learn how Vendor came to be exiled to Observation Outpost Rose, a drama in which Yaz plays the role of Vendor's commanding officer, after he, Vendor, reports misdeeds by an intergalactic business tycoon named The Grand Serpent, played by Craig Parkinson, principally the Serpent's plan to murder the family of a rival to higher authorities. Vinder's whistleblowing act results in retribution that gets him banished to the most remote location possible. Yaz, by contrast, finds herself enjoying video games with her sister Sonia Khan, played by Bhavnisha Parmar, inside a room and a memory that Yaz doesn't recognize, causing the Doctor, who pops up within each character's memory play as a hologram that offers advice, to realize that Yaz's time stream has gone wrong this diagnosis proves spot-on when a weeping angel confronts yaz who only evades its attack by the narrowest of margins and in the process realizes that fabricated remembrances can sometimes prove more dangerous than actual ones chibnall loads the deck with so many events characters stories side stories flashbacks within flashbacks flash-forwards within flash-forwards and memories of thirteen's life as the fugitive doctor that he threatens to capsize once upon time into an ocean of nonsense yet this outing admirably steers safely between its narrative rocks and shoals to reveal the origin of both flux and the flux event to be azure's and swarm's revenge quest they abhor having been stopped from destroying the Mori eons ago, and then imprisoned by Division, where, as seen in the Halloween Apocalypse, Azure was forced to adopt a human guise as the Arctic researcher Anna, and Swarm was locked into a containment facility on the burnished Rage battleground. You think we would cower before the Division when we have taken control of its dirty secret? A planet
1: called... Time. Thinking this could bring the dark times to an end. Time is not controllable, Doctor. It will not do as other beings bid. It will. It must. Here we are, still engaged in the founding conflict. There is no greater battle than this. The battle between time and space and time shall not lose time shall never surrender to space no planetary mass however sophisticated can imprison the force of time this planet this construction is not just a fallacy Not just futile hubris It is heresy. And see how many lives it has cost. Keep away from it! Section
0: 3. Time to Tell Flux's basic story, if the term basic makes any sense when applied to a serial, that piles up details the way Orson Welles stacked up food platters during his daily binges, is that Division's greatest secret is the existence of the Temple of Atropos. Housing as it does the Mori, who control time itself meaning that they keep time from haphazardly mixing and mashing events like those that the thirteenth doctor and her companions endure in once upon time azure and swarm known as the ravagers to the division agents assigned to deal with them consider the mori to be blasphemous impositions upon time who misguidedly attempt to bind this living force to rules that restrict its true nature this disagreement, over nothing less than the fundamental composition of creation itself, precipitates what Swarm calls the Ravagers
1: founding conflict.
0: with the Time Lords, namely a battle between space and time, with the Ravagers on the side of time, and the Time Lords, despite their name, on the side of space. Since the Fugitive Doctor led the assault that defeated the Ravagers' plan, Swarm considers himself the Thirteenth Doctor's first arch-enemy that she cannot remember this battle, because Division wiped her memories of the Fugitive Doctor and the Timeless Child, tips Flux into bottomless irony, or something like that. As many Whovians have noted, Division resembles classic Who's Celestial Intervention Agency, a secret cabal with similar motives first mentioned in the 1976 fourth Doctor serial The Deadly Assassin, that's appeared in ancillary novels, short stories, and audio dramas since the 1980s the notion of a covert operations bureau doing dirty deeds for supposedly enlightened future societies is nothing new Star Trek's Section 31 is perhaps the best iteration of this storyline, while the Marvel series Loki's time variance authority rips off Doctor Who wholesale. But Chibnall suggests in Once Upon Time that Division may be an earlier version of the Celestial Intervention Agency, or perhaps the same agency under a different name, in his attempt to knit the reams and piles and warehouses of Who's endless backstories into his timeless child tapestry unlike some viewers i admire chibnall's ambition in tackling so many of the franchise's contradictory plot threads even if after fifty-eight years weaving them into a comprehensive continuity is probably impossible still good on chibnall for giving it far more than the old college try once upon time is paced like a thriller shotgunning its audience through so many subplots timelines and vignettes that this outing should be but isn't tough to understand dan for instance finds himself back in twenty twenty one liverpool popping up in different spots around the city at different times of the day and night that shift without warning while talking to diane curtis played by nadia albina the museum of liverpool employee whom he asks to dinner in the halloween apocalypse but who's taken captive by azure at that episode's conclusion john bishop proves how welcome in addition he is by playing dan's continuing befuddlement and essential goodness with the same easy charm he did in his two previous appearances even as he strikes a precise military bearing during his scenes as a division agent if dan and yaz received more attention here once upon time would be an even better episode so let us hope that chibnall focuses on these core characters lives as flux enters its final stretch this criticism doesn't apply to the doctor who finds herself as thirteen or as the fugitive doctor at the center of all events in once upon time whether floating in the air while conversing with the mori or standing in the temple of atropos when confronting swarm jody Whittaker and joe martin are tremendous together and separate but Whittaker shoulders this installment's acting burdens by playing her scenes with the same guile wit and wonder she always has the time storm that the doctor inadvertently creates when she tries to save yaz dan and vinder from the ravager's plan suggests that this entire episode takes place in the brief span needed for swarm to snap his fingers meaning that once upon time is an even wilier title than it first seems one final detail to appreciate is that chibnall names the temple after the greek mythological figure of atropos one of the three sister fates collectively known in yet one more connection as the morai indeed the sister known as the inflexible one who ended the existences of all mortal beings by cutting the threads that represent their lives this point makes the doctor's journey in once upon time more than just an energetic jaunt through her uncertain memories by sounding an important theme namely that history itself is a narrative construction susceptible to revision not the immovable sequence of events we might assume it to be this perspective provides crucial food for thought in our reactionary political times where arguments over the proper telling of history have become desultory shoutfests in which proponents of traditional and therefore incomplete understandings of the past try their worst to discredit any retelling that questions their power and authority New who has always maintained that time can be rewritten but once upon time takes this precept to heart to fashion an episode that encourages us to keep our eyes and our minds open not bad for fifty minutes of television i say so despite once upon time's imperfections chris chibnall his cast and his crew once again have my thanks Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vestibule Podcast. Please visit the newsletter's website at vestibule.substack.com to read this entry, to explore the images and linked resources available there, and to access all other posts. Until next time, this is Jason Vest, wishing you health and happiness.